Have you ever wondered why it is that we do what we do and who we do it with? Then this is a podcast for you, an exploration of human beings through systemic psychology and Unani biotypes with Rodrigo Garcia Platas, Ross Everett, and Brian McElhaney. This is Biotypical. Brian, why don't you why don't you kick us off? Because this is this is a Brian episode, we'll call it. Great. It's a Brian episode. I'm Brian. Uh, today's <laughs> guest is Natalie Palomides. I hey. met Natalie. Hi, Natalie. I met Natalie, um, let's see, it's 2021, seven years ago when she auditioned for the unaired Britannic pilot, Rest in Peace. No, it's wow. so good and it needs to create a resurgence and you need to post it on just your Just post channel. it, Brian. You know what? Yeah, fuck Nick. I'm just going to do it. Come He's so nervous Stop about being a melancholic stuff. about it. Stop <laughs> overthinking it. I will. Anyway, Natalie came in an audition and she blew me out of the water. She was so interesting and unique. What? And you know this. That's why we cast you. Oh, and then um, it was great. Actually, there's an apocryphal story that Comedy Central told. Because we didn't really know why our show didn't get picked up. But we did know that apparently, I don't know if I told you this, Natalie. Uh, our uh, They showed that? it to some test audiences and they asked the test audiences who do you like better brian or nick and the overwhelming response was natalie so, uh... <laughs> middle america likes me best i don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> <laughs> anyway since then natalie's gone on to do so much stuff um she has become kind of a staple in the los angeles clown community uh also she's gone to edinburgh and she won best newcomer there in 2017 i think wow um, which is a huge, I mean, the Edinburgh Festival has like 10,000 shows a night and she won wow. Best Newcomer of Everyone, which is, I mean, it's a humongous achievement. And from there she has, uh, you've heard her as uh, Buttercup and the Powerpuff Girls. She's in the Progressive Commercials. And now she has a one woman show called Nate that she also premiered at Edinburgh that I saw in Scotland. And now it's on Netflix. And uh, it's been out for a month or two now. And, uh, and here she is. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Wow, you certainly know your stuff. Brian. Yeah, that's a melancholic introduction. If I've yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Nate got um like some not not awards but a claim like on like lists of like best specials of 2020, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it got on a couple lists. It did get an award. <laughs> uh, Natalie a, just winked for all you listeners. <laughs> it won a total theater award when it went to Edinburgh. Um, but uh, yeah, I was. Uh, glad that people liked it and made a list, maybe two. And um, yeah, got good. Got I think great good reviews. reviews. Is this the most uncomfortable review. that you are when you're talking about your own successes? No, I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, That's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I would say I got the worst reviews probably from my parents. <laughs> the te I mean, the texts from your parents just throughout your life are some of the funniest texts I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, they're now you need to share them. Yeah, I know. Let's let's well, start with actually. You want to tell us? Do you know what your biotype is, Natalie? I don't know. You know, Brian has um tossed a couple ideas out there. He said maybe I'm uh, phlegmatic or yeah, that was else, my right. Yeah, yeah. When I first talked to you and Coco about it, it's like right when I just learned about it. And I was like, yeah, I think Natalie's yeah. phlegmatic. Uh, but you definitely barrel through life in a sanguine kind of way. Um, mm -hmm. with the way like the way she performed. Natalie is the most fearless stage performer I know by like a landslide. Uh, um, and <laughs> it's kind of amazing to watch you do because you will do, I mean, I don't even know if I should share some of the things I've seen you do on stage, but you will do <laughs> And you'll do anything. I you will, will do, do anything. It's fun. Yeah. Like yeah, we, Nick. Yeah. And, so here's an example. Nick and I had a sketch that we were working on this past year and we were at a, a show doing it. And the sketch ended with, we needed like a girl from the ring, you know, the movie, the ring, the girl from the well that comes in and yeah. pulls people to hell. We needed the girl from the ring to pull me into hell at the end of the sketch. And I, we were like, Oh, Natalie's here. Maybe she'll do it. And we were trying to figure out like what Natalie should wear. Like if we had like a long like nightgown for her to jump on stage and, and grab me. And Natalie was like, what if I'm just completely naked and grab you to hell? And I was like, I don't know. And Nick was like, yes, do it. And grab him by his dick. Make sure you grab him by his dick and drag him to hell. And I was like, I don't know. And then it was like, you guys are on stage. And so off we go on stage. And then Natalie just like comes out as this like naked monster and just like jumps on me and like grabs me 
uh, you know, buy my dick to hell. It's how the sketch ends. But it's, uh, it's, we did it in San Francisco too. But that with like clamshell Shelly or that thing you did. uh, I mean, I maybe you don't want to talk about this, but the thing you did for the offensive sketch show, the Kimmy Schmidt sketch you did. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, I've actually shoved a couple of sweets in my vagina. I don't mind talking about it. (laughs) On stage in front (laughs) of you. Look on Rodrigo's face. So, so Rodrigo, there's a little context that I think can be provided here, which is the clown community in Los Angeles is like the most outrageous, most absurd search for joy, laughter, and play imaginable. And I, I think anyone that's in clown long enough will wind up on stage naked doing I've something. I've seen every clown clothes. naked. I've seen every clown I know. Every I've clown seen full naked. naked. I've seen buttholes. I've seen because they're just trying to go like, what is so outrageous that would make this audience be like, how is this human being doing this thing? Um, Natalie, did you go to France to study or did you just study with with Dr. Brown here in the States? I didn't go to France, but I was actually introduced to clown when I was in college by um, my professor. His name's Rick Kemp, but he studied with Goyer um, or not Goyer. Yeah. Uh, No, 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 no. Not Goyer. Lecoq. So he studied with Lecoq, who is the same teacher that Goyer had. Got it. And Ross studied with Goyer, right? And you said it with Goyer, right, Ron? Uh, yeah, I, did, I, I didn't do like the full two-year program. I just went for the, the clown section. I didn't realize that there was oh, a nice. two-year program. But yeah, so so Zach Zucker, who I don't know if I've mentioned him on this podcast before, but he he's definitely one of the forefathers of clown in Los Angeles, um, I'd say. And he will just come all over himself when he hears me say that. But that that is uh, definitely... I, I love Zach. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, uh, Zach is either a melancholic or a choleric. I'm pretty sure he's a melancholic. Um, but, uh, he, he, I, I've seen him perform and like when I saw him perform, I was like, what is this? And he's like, you got to go to France and study this thing. So I didn't have the full context of what I was going into, but it was definitely at a time where I'd just done a Tony Robbins seminar. So there was a, if you can't, you must attitude. So I was like, I can't fuck. I have to go now. So I went to do Gallier, but Natalie's one of Natalie's like main collaborators currently dr brown also studied at gallier and has had like a plethora of awards at festivals is now in los angeles and pre-pandemic had actually taken over a theater in los angeles and created like a hub for the clown community and it's my favorite theater in la as a teacher i would say because i've done dr brown's class as well i will say as a teacher dr brown will will give you like just as good as gallier that that was my experience of it anyway they both have kind of the same style via negativa yes (laughs) is that what it's called or are you making up that that term no i believe it's called via negativa so you just tell somebody when they're shit yeah it, it's kind of amazing i love it when it's good because the audience will tell you when it's good because mm. they'll be laughing anyway that works yeah i, I love the live directs where I, I where like they tell you just watch them like tell people their shit it's so much fun to watch and <laughs> I haven't done it with Phil, but I did it with Chad. He live directed me and just like oh, being on stage, God. improvising. Chad, Chad, Chad Dami- being- Damiani is a, another staple in the Los Angeles clown community. But- and he's known for having enormous arms. He's he's like, is he a sanguine? He's ripped. He must be a sanguine just he because he's got that really me. big, hard belly. And he's but if got- he's a sanguine, he's not ripped. He's no, ripped. when I say ripped, I he's, don't mean like like cut. It means but volume. He, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna Vulcan. pull up a photo while Natalie talks, so you can see what I'm well, talking about. I did one of Chad's. I did one of Chad's <laughs> live directs, which I think is you know of the via negative. See, I don't know how what his is like compared to like Gallier, because because with Chad's it's very clear he's like you know, he's winking as he's doing it, but it was so much fun to get on stage and improvise and have someone call out every single time I was not making a choice or I was really not being funny. Cause it like, it's almost like a great safety net because the, if, if you're on stage and you're succeeding, great. And if I was failing and then he called it out, all of a sudden it was so funny and the audience loved it. And then you can choose whether or not you want to respond to that by challenging it or accepting it. Like it just sort of like, it kind of gave an, another like motor to the scene every time it happened. I really love being and fucked with on stage. And it gives you something to play against too. Like, exactly. Like you said, you can make a choice whether you want to stay in it or drop it and tr- change onto something else. But you know, if you're working against somebody who's telling you you suck, 
that's a perfect place for the clown to live because usually the clown yeah. finds something in the failure. So the deeper you get in the shit, um, you know, kind of the better your your yeah. odds are. <laughs> so Chad, I should say right now, he's one of my very good friends. He's trying to get like abs. He's obsessed with getting abs and he's doing like <laughs> intermittent fasting, but you wouldn't think it because his gut is usually so big. He does the most, when he and I work out together, the ab exercises he does are unthinkable. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. Like when you see the gut in this guy's shirt when it's covered up, you you don't think he has abs. And then he takes off his shirt and he's doing these exercises where he's like flipping himself upside down and he's touching the ceiling with his legs and you're like, what the hell? Like this guy's got abs. I mean, he's freaking. <laughs> He's yoked, as they say. Are we talking about clowns two yeah. seconds ago? <laughs> because I do want to get in. There's there's a lot of things that, that I really want to talk to Natalie about, specifically with her relationship with Natalie and Brian, because they're very different types of performers. And mm. Brian like speaks the to the moon about natalie's ability to perform her boldness on stage her 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 vulnerability um and i i actually have a, a theory about it that i, I want to get oh, into but... me too yeah okay great <laughs> we need to yeah. share notes okay great. yeah we didn't meet up and talk about this one beforehand <laughs> but um should we start do you want to just uh give give natalie a little biotype read rodrigo Let's let's do this first, and I'll and then I'll do my read okay. because I already know what I'm okay. going to say. Okay, great. Oh, no. So so uh, <laughs> so Brian loves what he called Natalie's vulnerability on stage, and um, I actually don't think you're vulnerable on stage. I actually think you're very comfortable in that space. Um, I think that y it, you actually perform as a sanguine on stage, which is the thing that Brian would have to become incredibly vulnerable to be able to do on stage. So your way of performing is actually Brian's vulnerability. However, Brian is very revealing about his absolute thoughts and the real things that he thinks and the real things that he feels. And he shows his internal struggle and wrestle uh, wrestles in front of people. So my hypothesis is, and I haven't actually talked to you about this, Natalie, so I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, is that would actually be vulnerable for you, would be to share your real thoughts. So you that admire- That is accurate. That yeah. is 100% true. So, I do admire Brian for that. So that's, yeah, that's it. So you see in Brian what you you admire because it would take great courage and vulnerability in yourself and he admires in you what would take great vul vulnerability and courage within him. That is very true. It's very difficult for me to be myself. And that's actually why I fail a lot in clown classes because part of it is taking off your mask. And so like, you know, so many people refer to me as a clown and most of the time I'm, I say, you know, I love clown. I love utilizing clown techniques and I like trying to do clown, but truly what I do is more of a hybrid because I'm hiding behind the mask of a character most of the time and it's whenever i'm in clown classes most of my teachers don't let me do characters whereas they'll let other performers do characters because those performers don't use it as a mask but for me i like totally lose myself and that was something that i really had to work on that i think i did a pretty good job of overcoming you know maybe i fall back into it every now and again but i used to something like Dr. Brown would get on me about was like that I would never broke. I never broke if something crazy happened or a crazy accident, whereas like most people would break and, and show themselves or reveal themselves, but I would stay in character and I would react only how the character would react and I would never think it's funny. And, you know, that's a skill also. And, you know, maybe that's a pro in some situations, but for clown, you're supposed to, you know, reveal yourself at, at some points. And um, I think I've gotten better at that. You know, if something crazy does happen in a show, now I'll let my guard down or my mask down a little bit, but then I'll get back into it. Anyways, it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act. But mm. that's true. I, I don't think I really could. It would be a challenge for me. Maybe I could go, like, attempt to share my ideas on stage as myself as Brian does, but it would definitely be 
Um, yeah, it would be challenging, and I'd be like freaking scared. Yeah, as, yeah. As heck, but you're probably yeah. maybe a little scared too. Yeah, kind of. I'm. I mean, I had some like you. I mean, you saw my one man show. Like I yeah. talked about some pretty testy things, and I I loved it. It made me excited to That's do it every what we single. Need. I, I, I mean, to discuss this stuff. Yeah, and even when you watch me just do regular improv, you'll see me. I, I get very explaining a lot. I sort of have to remember to get out of my head and just sort of like be bold because I can be very much the person who kind of like puts philosophies on the scenes and like really sort of tries to explain things intellectually because I am pretty comfortable doing that. But I think that's why I'm so intrigued by the clown community. It's like the it's the missing piece of what I really want to be as a performer because I'm I'm a really good physical performer if I'm very much in control if I've practiced it if I kind of know what I'm doing and I uh you know know how to write comedy but just like the ballsiness and the presence the sanguineness of so many clowns is something that I find is so attractive and interesting that I don't really naturally have on stage well you know what like is good about that for clown is like uh... The clown discovers the bit or the piece, like usually in a failure or something, the clown right. will discover gold through like an accident or a failure happening on stage. But the actor, to to be a good like award-winning clown, you know, whatever, <laughs> like Dr. Brown or somebody, you have to be able to allow yourself to go to that place of failure and the unknown to find the piece. But mm -hmm. then you have to be the actor and the performer when you have to recreate that piece every single time and do it the exact same way and right. make it seem like that's the first time whenever you do the next night of your show and the next night of your show. So Zach Zucker you're, you're is a master there. of that. It's like he's really good. At he's that, so yeah. good at that. Like, like the, the laughter, the, the, the mess ups, because it's like in Zach's show, I can't tell if it's the first time that something is happening or it's it happened once and now they're recreating it um he's so good at that and yeah. part of me thinks like you have to be a sociopath to be able to do it that well like it's so convincing yeah well that's I what's so his most recent show oh jack tucker yeah yeah i love it um well that's what's so nice about like even in nate natalie it's like you have you bring up an audience member every single show a man to wrestle and it's like it's going to be different. It's every single, you have to be present for that because like shit is, I've seen shows where men are like, let's go. And I've seen shows where you've had to be like, fucking wrestle me. What is yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> I've seen the whole spectrum. And you go into the audience, you touch the genitals of the audience members. Like, it's just like, you have it's to just, just sort of be ready for so many different types of reactions. And if you're not That's present with that, yeah, I know it's, it's amazing. Thanks, now, Natalie, could I have you put your gain up just a little bit more? That's awesome. How's that? Oh, there we go. Now we hear you. Cool. Um, for everyone that's listening and they, they're like, oh, but what is Nate? Go to uh, go to Netflix. It's on Netflix. Is it is it Netflix internationally or just Netflix? Because we are yeah, the number yeah, 51 podcast in Belgium. Okay, great. So our Belgium oh, comedy. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're bragging about that like crazy. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. We've been really Wait, working. I can't believe um, when I was listening to that. uh threesome episode or whatever i was like yeah this better be getting the hits i was like this is some hot stuff that was wild right that yeah. was crazy <laughs> yeah anyway actually the conclusion is making way better than the first episode thank god oh. because the first episode of the love triangle is horrible what what <laughs> it's really revealing and i know it's good it's good I yeah. don't know, content good, good radio good good yeah. content good podcast yes good, content. but but i was cringing all the way through Oh, really? That says something about me. I was eating it up. I was like, oh, these people are so fucked. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I have to admit something that I'm going through right now. Listening what you just said, Ross, and then listening to how honest your answer was, Natalie, without dropping out of character, gave me like goosebumps. It's, it's, it's so interesting that you can do that. Uh, <laughs> you mean I'm in character right now? Of course you are. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not like this on my own. 
Wait, wait I'm sorry. You said that she answered without dropping out of character, or what? yeah, she went in. She went into like a, a really profound place of honesty without mm-hmm. dropping the mask, and that, not a lot of humans on Earth can do that. Whoa. Oh, huh. well, and it's even more impressive because she's a phlegmatic. And actually, here's my theory. I think that you, Brian, admire her especially because what she does is mind-blowing. It is. Yes, I've seen the show. Oh, thank um, you. I, I loved it. It wasn't the easiest thing to watch, but I loved it. And I watched it with my wife. Big mistake. Oh. But... Uh, <laughs> but... Um, I think what what's really mind-blowing about what you do is that you're a phlegmatic and for a phlegmatic, because you are a phlegmatic and for a phlegmatic to be able to do that, um, if you were sanguine, it wouldn't impress a lot of people because sanguines are just willing to do things without thinking. And I'm a sanguine, I know. Uh, but being a phlegmatic, the depth of your emotions uh, and and the fear of getting hurt or being judged is usually massive. And then seeing a phlegmatic acting like that and then being watched by a melancholic who would need like five years of therapy, even before trying that in front of people (laughs) and the overthinking that could happen. And knowing that with you, it's not only the overthinking, but also the making sure that your emotions are in the right place so that you don't go mad by doing something like that. It it deserves admiration so that I I can totally see it. Yeah. Thanks, Roro. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're very welcome. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm being myself. I mean, I maybe am like a heightened version of myself because we are conversing and on a podcast, but um, uh, I don't think I'm doing a character. Of course you are. No, no, this is me. I don't think I'm doing a character. <laughs> I mean, uh, this no, this is I'm being myself. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, you, you think what you want, Roro. It's okay. No, it's fine. But what, what, I, what, what, I, what I was actually telling you is pretty interesting. Like, I'm actually acknowledging you for it. Like, it's, mm. it's mind-blowing and it gives me the goosebumps that you have the ability to, to go to those. Like, it's, it's the definition between honesty and authenticity. And most people never understand this distinction. But, in, in fact, question for everyone who's listening. Can you be honest without being authentic? I guess the answer is yes. Can you be authentic without being honest? No, right? Because if you're authentic, aren't you naturally? I I want to say yes. (laughs) It's like a rectangle square situation. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Not necessarily. That That is so true. Mm-hmm. Now, what I what I wanted to say is this: is being honest is saying a hundred in a in a hundred percent truthful way what's in your mind, mm-hmm. but being authentic is showing a hundred percent of who you are. And mm-hmm. most people believe that by being honest, they're being authentic. But you can be, and I'm not saying this is you, but you can be a hundred percent honest about what's happening inside of you uh, mm-hmm. without showing anything about who you are and how that experience feels for you mm-hmm. so you can be honest and be a and be a, an emotional liar in a sense you can be honest without being authentic yes but you cannot be authentic without being honest it's like a two-step process and the yeah. first step is being transparent about what's in your head that's being honest and when people don't distinguish this sometimes they destroy relationships this is like a tip for the audience but sometimes you destroy relationships and 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 you don't understand why because you feel like you were being completely honest but you can't be honest without showing who you are and then people start being resentful for that uh in in specific types of relationships and being authentic is being honest plus showing what's happening in front inside of you i always give this example if i'm cooking something in my kitchen and suddenly i chop part of my finger off um if if i just look at the finger and i see the poor, the blood pouring out and i just call my friend and i go hey ross um i just cut my finger like the whole finger but i put it in a bag with ice because i saw on csi that they can reattach it if you put it in ice right away so could you please pick me up i'm being completely honest but am i being authentic no no, no, because if I were that. being authentic, how would I call Russ? Ah! 
yeah. exactly exactly like my finger yeah. uh, so it's it's a cartoonish example but it's just just to find that and you being able to pull off that level of honesty and I, I don't mean it just right now and 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 I kind of disagree with what you were saying uh about you not being able to take off your mask that's mm. partially true but i think that you can get away with it because the level of honesty that you can carry out even if in character which is mind-blowing i think that's what makes you unique thanks Roro. I, i just have a clarifying question so do you think we are all doing characters or is it just me in, in particular i think a lot I of mean, us are not honest or authentic when we speak Yeah, completely. And we always say that the only authentic thing that a human being can do is admit their own lack of authenticity. And that's the only authentic thing they can do. And the, the very next thing that comes out of their mouth um, is, is not authentic again. And when you peel a layer and you peel a mask of you and it feels completely authentic for one minute, as one of my teachers used to say, that layer of skin just oxidizes and becomes the new mask. Uh, so, so no one's completely authentic and, and we've seen people do this. They realize something about themselves or they realize something about the world and it's completely authentic in that instant, but if they run with it and they make that their life mission. It's just, their no mask. That's like the mask of wokeness. I, like I had a spiritual exactly. awakening and maybe the epiphany was real, but then they're like, this feels better now. And then they go, mm, I'm woke. And then that becomes yeah. the mask. I feel um, the idea of, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say, go, like, go, 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 I, I relate to the, like the idea of being honest without authentic. I mean, it was I, the first time when we just did a podcast with Megan, you talked about me kind of wearing this mask. You talked about Megan and I both wearing these masks in our relationship. And I realized when you said that, I was like, that's exactly right. Like, I was pretending to be something I wasn't. And I think that I have dealt with throughout my adult life. One of the reasons why I'm a very honest speaker, I speak very clearly about like, how I feel and uh, I can get there pretty easily. And I think it's almost like I may have gotten so honest as an attempt to not be authentic with people, because if I get really honest, people will go, oh, he's being honest with me. That's great. And it almost tricks people that I'm giving everything, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's why when I was like, uh, I'm very good at talking about all of my feelings. I think the reason I'm really good about it is because then I don't have to show them. And if I can talk about it, people will go, oh, he's authentic. He can explain his feelings. But it's like I don't actually have to like sit in them and, and show them. Um, I don't know if that's totally right. But I feel the sense of like I can be honest about being authentic is something that I have, I have dealt with for sure. Oh, there's like this is a tangent, but there's something extremely interesting about that. Like one, one of the like a, a really important psychological social principle is when you're able to tell someone, I only need one of your lies to start doubting all of your truths. Yep. And, and that's really easy to understand, but it actually works all the way around too. Um, there, there's this book, I, you must have it in English too. It, it, in Spanish, it's called Las 48 Leyes del Poder, The 48 Laws of Power. And actually one of those laws is be strategic with your authenticity. Because in the same way, I only need one of your lies to start doubting all of your truths. I only need five minutes of your absolute authenticity to actually start believing all of your lies. And when you're strategic with your authenticity, people start believing you and, and, and being ready for certain things and trusting you because of those five minutes of absolute authenticity. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, well, I, that makes sense. I'll, I'll remember what, what I was going to say something else, but I don't remember. I'll remember in a minute. Yeah. So is there more on, because one of the things that Natalie said when we got on and I was like, save it for the podcast. Can, uh, she mentioned that she thought she was on the spectrum. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think my mom and dad are both on the spectrum. And I was, my mom was like, well, then you probably are too. And I was like, yeah, I think maybe a little bit. <laughs> what makes I you think that? Out, I found out recently that one of my friends, um, who I would have never guessed was autistic. She got diagnosed as being on the spectrum. And I've always been challenged by my mom's ability to access emotion. Like when my grandpa died, this is kind of a good example. When my grandpa died, um, my cousin, we were at the front door waiting to get in. And my cousin just mentioned, oh, I started crying in the car again. And my mom was like, 
why? And I was like, why do you think, mom? Like your dad just died. like, you know, but she, she, and she just doesn't really, um, express herself in that way you know crying like I don't think not that she wasn't sad but I didn't really see any tears rolling at the funeral and you know that's a very black and white example or whatever but um you know I mentioned this to her the other day when I when it dawned on me and I was like you know I think you're a little bit autistic (laughs) not to not to diminish that anybody having like you know been diagnosed autistic but you know I've just always been trying to explore my mom's um, unwillingness to express her feelings, which actually, you know, people, you know, think I'm just talking about like toxic masculinity when Nate can't express himself in the show. But like a lot of that is inspired by my mom. But um, (laughs) that's brilliant. Yeah. But uh, uh, so, oh, yeah, I mentioned to her, I think she's a little bit autistic and she's like, why? And I was like, well, because, you know, you never express your emotions really clearly. She's like, that's because people get too touchy. She's like, with me, it's all business. And I'm like, (laughs) there you go. I'm like, that's probably what an autistic person would say. I don't know. And then, uh, you know, we just like in our family have like a lot of ADHD, OCD, um, very creative, you know, uh, meticulous. uh, Anyways, she's eccentric, I think to a degree anyways i mean it can be in varying degrees no yeah uh, a spectrum for sure yeah 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 so i mean they actually recently approved asperger's as the first level of autism before it was actually seen as a separate condition oh really okay because i was talking to my aunt about it today um because she actually had mentioned that my grandpa sometimes called my mom the black sheep of the family. And uh, that's something that come came up when I was reading about Asperger's women or autistic women that often they're referred to as the black sheep in their family. And I just thought, oh, wow. Mm. You know, what a coincidence. Yeah. I wonder if uh, that, I mean, I mean, you very much could have caught a fleck of that too, um, if that is what's happening with your mom, but also um, because your mom showed not so much emotion, maybe just from a systemic perspective, you know, mm. that could have been, the, I mean, this is something to speak to Rodrigo, like, can that <laughs> sort of dampen down your own emotions as a phlegmatic if your mom doesn't show many emotions to you to make it's- you think of you? It's definitely, that's a really good catch. It's definitely systemic because if you were on the spectrum, there, there would be no way for you to create with the audience what you create. You would have no understanding of how to, how to source that inside of them. Mm-hmm. So you're not. Oh, okay. But if, if you're a healthy human being, you've asked yourself at least five times along in your life if you're in the spectrum or if there's some some sort of disorder with you. Yeah. When people come to me and go like, I think I'm crazy. I always tell them, yeah, then you're not. <laughs> people that really are crazy never ask themselves if they're crazy oh wow okay so That's enlightening thank you <laughs> i i have a really roundabout way to getting to talk about nate because i do want to dive into nate and the messages of, mm-hmm. of nate and i yeah. think we can start because brian had a revelation today Bro- I did. Yeah. Uh, and it was- I mean, Rodrigo had a revelation and then I <laughs> about Brian, <laughs> about Brian. And, you know, okay. uh, Brian is like, I'm surrounded by secret cholerics. <laughs> so he sent Rodrigo a, a photo of his dad and he goes, this might be because I've always, he's always thought his dad was melancholic. And then uh, Brian, you're here. You can tell the story. I, I also thought my friend Reed was always a melancholic and he was a choleric in the intro. Uh, a couple of days ago. So I'm oh. like, what? I thought I had no cholerics around me in my and life. Cholerics and cholerics are like the spicy ones, right? That's a way to say it. That's a good sure. way of putting yeah. it, yes. <laughs> okay, got it. So what but, happened? Well, I just, in an instant, a lot of my childhood became completely clear. Like in a way where I just, so many things I didn't quite understand about how my dad and I related became, I mean, there's so much more to figure out uh, that I'll probably figure out in BYB this week. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, but yeah, it just sort of made me start understanding my parents dynamic and the way I existed within that. Just, I've just been thinking about it all day and it's been, uh, it's been really interesting mm-hmm. to, to delve into in my own head at least. 
Um, and actually, I think we were talking about this in Clubhouse. And I don't know why, but most, like one day we'll have a, an algorithm to calculate this, but most of the times cholerics, for some interesting genetic reason, create melancholic children and they drive them crazy like having a melancholic kid as a choleric man is one of the most challenging things in the world wow. yeah I, I i can feel that with my dad well it's <laughs> funny because it's like i think i'm pretty sure my dad's analyzing choleric which is why i thought he was a melancholic mm. i think one of the things he's often been frustrated with me is that i just don't i've always been real i loved school i loved i was good at it i, I was really smart but I never cared about results. It's like, I'd like ace the SAT, but forget to apply to colleges. Like I just don't follow through with that kind of things. I just love the learning of it. And it's like, I never cared about making money. When I got it, I would just spend it. And my dad was always so frustrated about how I like his questions are always about the results of my life and what I'm doing. And I was always just like, why I don't care. Like it just didn't, I, I was, I just was like a spacey melancholic who was like into a lot of things. And I think he has a thread about like, the result-driven sort of lifestyle. But because we're both analyzers, that's how we connected. So I thought he was just like, I didn't quite understand why we weren't valuing the same thing in life. And learning that he was a cleric makes me understand that more. Also, my mom's a pure phlegmatic. And I've always, I've, I've often had friends tell me, they're like, you're like a total mix between your mom and your dad. I've always felt that. Like I never was like, I can never figure out which one I identified with more. I think it's because I'm a melancholic. I'm kind of split in the middle of them. So you're literally always... in between them too. Right. So it's like, I, I was, I would find the things that I, I have kind of the brain of my dad, but the playfulness of my mom. And I was just trying to figure out, but neither of them are, are melancholic. So I was also on my own at the same time. It just sort of like made me really start thinking about that in a totally different way. Hmm. Um, do but, cholerics often masquerade as something else? Oh, no, they love being cholerics. Oh, okay. Uh, cholerics just want to own everything and own the room and be the smartest person in the room, the best result, and compete against everyone and prove them wrong. Mm. So that's why I'm wondering what my dad's relationship with his dad is now, because he's such a, I'll say a gentle choleric, even though he has to be right and win every argument. I will say that. <laughs> but gently. But generally, yes, yes. Um, a gentle um, cleric. And is that typical to have a gentle cleric? Hmm. No, the only way you can have that uh, is, is by having a, a really dominant mother. Oh. Oh. Oh, shit. Hmm. <laughs> I also call them castrated clerics. Because if you had, if you had, a, if you have an extremely dominant mother, you can make sanguines and cholerics act like phlegmatics and melancholics. Wow, Grandma uh, so in, I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to get too much in my family here, but this is—I will talk about it in private one day. But uh, this is interesting. Is that so, true about Grandma McElhaney? She's well, a ball smasher. I, they were, they were, that's what they always said about my grandmother. <laughs> They, they died when I was kind of young, but um, I think she was a pretty analyzing melancholic who like kind of took no shit. Mm. And I'm not sure what my granddad was, but he might've been an analyzing phlegmatic. I know he was like playful and dancing and fun. And my dad doesn't do any of that kind of stuff at all. An analyzing um, melancholic that takes no shit is actually a controlling melancholic. So exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. so her father must've been a very strong man and she must've really loved him. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, weird how this math just kind of works. I know out. it's all. Ross is getting brilliant math. at this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ross nailed me on the head earlier. He read me like a freaking book. That's been, what did he say earlier. That uh, that you know it'd probably be feel vulnerable for me to do what you do. Oh on yeah, stage, yeah, which is true. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I want to tie this back. I, Thank you. I and would not take off my clothes and tackle someone on stage. So yet we'll get the you direction there. Brian. I need to move in. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to have to compete for parts. I want to bring this into into Nate because um, Nate's a very interesting show with a very. I, I would consider Nate to be a conversation starter more than a message delivered. Natalie, it, would you agree with that or, or do you have a different yes, approach? Yes, I do not wish to preach any sort of message to anybody except to talk with each other. 
That's I, that's one of the things also Natalie and I really respect about each other is we're like, let's just talk about everything. Yeah, we don't know anything. Let's just put it out there. You disagree with too. Exactly. It doesn't mean you have to hate each other or write each other off just because you got different perspectives. That's what makes the world go round. Yeah. So when I first saw (laughs) Nate, I was with a very like woke liberal crowd and they had very hard (laughs) beliefs about the answer that that you or to the question that you ask at the end of the Mm -hmm. show. Um, But, you know, yeah. what were you gonna say, Brian? I, I was gonna say the end of the. Should we talk about that moment in the, the show? Sure, yeah, go for because it. Because you asked the audience, "Is this wrong?" You know, mm-hmm. this hookup that Nate had, and I just remember, like, in the it's great in the show because you found uh, an audience that there were yeses and nos thrown out. It was really nice to see that moment happen. But remind, am I remembering this wrong? In Edinburgh, because I played Lucas in Edinburgh, you brought me on stage. I feel like you asked the question to me, and Uh, I answered that. Usually I just look into the abyss, but I knew you were there, and I was like, "Ah, I want to play with Brian. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, God, it's all on me to answer this, which I was like, I love doing. Um, And I gave some long, waxing, poetic answer about the nuances and gray area of life or some bullshit. (laughs) Crushed it. um, I would give money for that tape. (laughs) I would give Weiss for that tape. (laughs) Well, it's down today, so it's going back. By the time this gets released, it'll be back Um, up. Um, But yeah, I I, want to hear. um, Oh, Ryan, yeah. Do you have a a thought before I go ahead and put this train back? No, no, no. I was just, I was just talking. All right, put it back. Um, So, so you know, based off of Biotype Rodrigo. to uh, how would you biotype the character Nate that Natalie plays? I mean, like we know that that what his biotype has to be because it's played by her. But personality-wise, um, and I'm leading you somewhere. Sanguine. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. What? Nate? Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. Then I'm leading you to somewhere that I don't know where I'm leading you to. Go on. Dude, who who would get someone from the audience and wrestle them? What <laughs> biotype would ever do that? Okay, yeah. Well, could it be a fake fire that falls into Sanguine? Or that's the other half of the answer that I'm going to give in a minute. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, saving it for later. I don't, are you saving oh, yeah. it? Say it now. Yeah, yeah, now's the no, time. No, 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 I can say it now. Yeah. Okay, so... I'm always waiting for Ross to do his this is behind the patron wall thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this where you're going to dive into to Natalie? Oh, not necessarily, but the, I, I find this really interesting. Um, okay, before I say my thing, I, I promised my wife that I, was, that, that I was going to ask you a question. Sure. Um, does your audience sign waivers before they walk into your show? Uh, no, not normally. I think for that show, they had to sign a release that they were going to be on camera, but no, they don't usually sign any waivers or anything. Wow. It's just yeah. mind blowing. When you, you enter into a, a clown theater, you're entering into the wild west. Like that's, yeah. you're just like, kind of the rules are off. But that's well, also like I, yeah. the importance of a performer is like, like, because I, I've done a show which has a heavy amount of audience interaction as well. And there have been sometimes like when you're learning or when I was learning, especially where it's gone horribly wrong. And I've had to yeah, chase a, a woman out of the theater who was like bawling, crying um, at, at what I did. What? It, for me, what it was like a personal, de- honestly, mm-hmm. I brought her up on stage and I asked her to lead everybody in a dance because I wanted to empower her, but it triggered something <laughs> in her. And she turns to me with tears in her eyes and she says, please don't make me do this. And I went, okay, mm-hmm. sit back down because I would want to choose people. And this is just something about me. I would want to choose people that I felt like I could help or change rather than choosing the people that were already, like I knew it would be an easy Easy yes for them so i choose the person that it would be a breakthrough for them on the stage to actually go for it um but then i learned oh, later gosh. on yeah i know i know you know but natalie natalie doesn't even do that Nat- natalie throws a, a like disguised invitation uh and just waits to see who the hell no but i promise it. you Sometimes. she knows who she, she she's it's a sixth sense that performers have she knows the type of person that she's choosing and like even if she doesn't know it she's kind of biotyping them possibly but you know sometimes i get people that suck and i gotta throw them back like i have had a switch people in mid conversation like sometimes when i'm interviewing a couple uh this one 
woman in the couple was being like kind of a bitch. So I was just like switched it up or like um, when I'm picking a Lucas at the beginning, if they don't say Horace, like there's a part where I guess for people who haven't seen the show, there's a part where I ask them to uh, uh, confer with me that my ex-girlfriend is a Horace. And if he won't say Horace, I just switch and say, hey, Lucas, to somebody else. <laughs> and that gets a big the litmus test. Yeah. 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 And that yeah. becomes another joke. Yeah. Litmus test. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, and then also sometimes... I mean, I, I guess I am trying to, like, sense, like, who's game and, like, who's having fun. Like, those are always the best people to choose, like, when you can tell they're having fun. But, like, and then, sorry, I'm, like, wandering all over the place. But, like, when I choose a Lucas, like, essentially they volunteer themselves because I'm just sta staring out into the dark and they volunteer or whatever. And they respond to me. But, um when I do have the opportunity to choose, I look for somebody usually who is engaged and is having a good time and looks like they are up for it or want to play. But sometimes if I see somebody having a really bad time, I focus on them and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you to have a good time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, you're here, so you're going to play with me. Um, and that doesn't always work out. Sometimes it does. And when I can get them on board, it's really that's when it's the most rewarding oh. everything you guys are talking about sounds so similar to being a transformational trainer yeah it, it that's we're trying why, to like, do it in a totally different way yeah clown we're pointing is, in the same direction yeah. when i went to clown school i i realized the similarities very quickly because it's about yeah. vulnerability showing your real self and trying to connect with an audience and and you have to be so present with the entire room um, mm. because it, it become like, I think clown shows are really a collective effort and the audience is part of the show every single time. No, no two shows are the same because of that. Same thing with training, but also being like extremely fast with your head and like analyzing the situation constantly, making sure that what you're doing is working and that you're not hurting anyone and that the message is coming across in the right way and that the person is ready for it. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It is interesting. Now, the other thing that I that I wanted to tell you is, um, I, I promise, even if it, if at the beginning my question sounds like like I'm I'm being aggressive, I'm you can not. ask me anything. I don't care. Okay, have you been to therapy? I've actually never been to therapy. Oh my god, I I wanted to hear a yes because I wanted to ask you how the therapist dealt with you because oh, you must like you you are perfect to make any therapist like want to just kill themselves and that, that, sounds, that sounds horrible but i promise i promise this is actually a compliment let's let's break this down so we can also now like, i can't even been to therapy well, I, therapy is amazing i, I love keep kicking myself because i'm like i need to go to therapy and then i have you've tried the bees the steps, you've like, tried other things like, but no therapy well i i've I've sought out like weirdos, like weird healers in the woods that have right. kind of been like pseudo therapists or whatever. But like, um, yeah, that doesn't apply to what I was asking. <laughs> every time, though, I go to to seek out a therapist, you know, through my insurance or whatever, I just get overwhelmed at all the choices. And I'm like, oh, cripes. I'm like, what do I freaking like look for anxiety or mommy, daddy issue? What do I, you know, like? I think going off of friends' recommendations is the best way to do it. That's yeah, why you I don't want to get like your friends. Yeah, you do. Like, what if you talk shit on your friend? Then the, the, it's a neutral uh, third party. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do anything. Also, I would not uh, suspect your problems are with me and they're going to be talking shit about me. I went to I my friend's yeah, therapist. I got a great person. Well, I, I almost... I tried to balance his row my... really well, too. Yeah, I tried reaching out to my friend's therapist and he told me that she took insurance and I was like, no, she doesn't, dude. And it was expensive as hell, dude. Yeah, it's Anyways, pretty expensive. So it's been on my list and like every time I'm crying, I'm like, I need to go to therapy. But then I look it up and then I'm by the time I'm I'm done searching on the internet, I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> can, can we break down rodrigo when you said you'd be like a therapist worst nightmare whatever you said if you want to delve into this i, I believe Natalie he said rodrigo. that she would make them want to kill themselves i think <laughs> was the word that he used <laughs> 
Natalie, thanks for coming I, on our podcast. Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, yeah, I, uh, honestly, I take that as a compliment. Maybe I'm like, a, I did, I did give a disclaimer, and I said that at the beginning it was going to sound aggressive, but I promise it was a compliment. Um, so what I want to say is this: it, it actually relates to my experience on watching your show. So as as soon as your show started, uh, my like my professional ego didn't want me to enjoy it. Hmm. Like my professional ego was like, no, no, no. You need to diagnose what the hell is wrong with this woman because this is not natural. <laughs> and, and I started watching it. And that's when I started realizing that at some point I was crying. And at some point I was laughing my head off. And, and that's when I discovered that you have a level of authenticity that's uncanny for the way that you can do it. That, like for, for like you don't need authenticity to touch fibers that people cannot touch without authenticity, which is mind blowing. And and you do it, you do it in a way that almost seems um, like genuinely accidental. Like like you arrive to that place out of your own train of thought, and you're just there in a completely genuine moment. Moment, and and that's what makes it uh, uh, so interesting and unique in so many ways, uh, like so good, really. Uh, but then I started wondering about what you are precisely. I know you're a phlegmatic, and mm. and in the show I could see enough of your body to have no questions <laughs> about it. You're an absolute phlegmatic. <laughs> yeah, it's out and, there. <laughs> and and you're not a fake fire. Uh, but then what you are is you're the only person I've ever met in my life. And I've trained over 100,000 people, but uh, you're the only person I've ever met that has the double movement in your personality from your biotype. What does um, that mean? So, yeah, Rodrigo, what does that mean? And if you want to know what that means, then oh my a, God. <laughs> that's where I'm putting it. <laughs> And go to patreon.com slash RGP development, become one of the patrons, get access to the extended podcast and hear all of this juicy goodness. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Want more Biotypical? Well, good news. There's a longer version of this episode available at patreon.com slash RGP development. There you'll also be able to find ways to get on the podcast yourself, ask questions, as well as watch a live taping remotely. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and subscribing. Remember to rate this five stars wherever you're listening to it. And we'll see you next time.